It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Hey, that's me. Welcome to another edition of the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network, where we talk about everything from grassroots racing all the way up to NASCAR and even beyond sometimes. Just kind of depends what we got going on in the racing world, but we do focus a lot more on the regional series and even grassroots racing on this show much of the time. My name is Tom Baker. I am the founder and CEO of Race Chaser Online. I am joined at the round table inside the Race Chaser PMN Race City USA studios in Mooresville, North Carolina by our managing editor, Jacob Seelman, and joining us via the miracles of the Race Chaser Skype line, it is Cisco Scaramuza from the Windy City in Chicago, one of our Midwestern correspondents and looking forward to this show. It's going to be a fun show. We've got uh, Todd Gilliland coming up. We had a chance to chat with Todd earlier uh, over this past weekend at Charlotte, and we talked to him about uh, K&N and trucks and a bunch of other stuff, and so we're going to be hearing from Todd in a bit, but um, I want to start where we usually do on this show, which is the Newswire, Jacob, and you know what? Rumors are only good if you spread them. Uh-huh. So we're spreading a rumor. So we're spreading a rumor. That's be- what we're doing. Because it's intriguing and it's worth some discussion. Of course it is. Aren't it, rumors always worth discussion? It, it, they are. Well, not always. Sometimes they're just so silly that uh, they're not even worth the time to okay, talk about. Okay, most it, of the time. This one discussion. is intriguing for a couple yes. of reasons. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was Lee Spencer. Yes, from Motorsport.com. Yeah, who broke the rumor that uh, we may see a new face in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Men Cup for short. There you go, James Pike, if you're out there listening from across the pond. Uh, we may see a new face in that series next year in the form of none other than Brennan Poole. The Bull. With DC Solar, Brennan rumored, we want to clarify again, to be going to the third RCR car. That it would actually be replacing Paul Menard in that car, uh, bringing DC Solar along. The intriguing thing about this for me, Jacob, I'll start with you and then we'll we'll get Cisco's two cents as well. Um, the intriguing thing for me about this one is that you would have thought, one would think, that if DC Solar really wanted to go cup, that maybe uh, Chip Ganassi might have just started a third team. But this, if in fact this rumor is true as Lee has written it, so to speak, then maybe this is an indication that Chip's happy with a two-car team and doesn't want to mess the uh, chemistry up or, you know, add any more to what they're already doing over there. And a good opportunity for Richard Childress Racing to fill that third seat in a car that would be basically fully funded or close to it, I would guess. couple of points here. Number one, RCR is in desperate need of money with losing John Menard and Menards. I can't say the exact numbers, but I do know from multiple sources in the garage area that Menards was a substantial portion of Richard Childress Racing's budget across both the Cup and Xfinity series. So RCR needs money, and Brennan comes with money in the form of DC Solar. (laughs) Number two, Chip Ganassi is a very smart 
very calculated man. Chip is not going to put, normally, more cars on the racetrack than he believes he can make successful. We've seen this most recently with the IndyCar program, Tom. He downsized to two cars because they weren't fielding four cars at the caliber that Chip Ganassi is known for fielding cars at. So how do you make your team better? You pare it down to what you know will work. And for a long time, two cars worked. See Scott Dixon and Dario Franchitti from the late 2000s. Just saying. This does not surprise me at all. It's a case of Brennan and DC Solar wanted to go cup racing. I feel like Brennan's ready to go cup racing, frankly. We've seen him mixing it up quite successfully with the cup guys in the Xfinity Series right now. There was no room at the inn at Ganassi, period. They weren't going to add a third cup car because I have it on good authority from several people that Chip just, you know, Two cars is what they feel they can field successfully at the cup level. I think we've seen that this year. They have two cars that are performing very, very well. Brennan, as such, looking for a place to go, wants to stay in the Chevrolet family from what I've heard as well, i.e. Richard Childress, who's looking for money and a driver. Pretty simple if you ask me. Well, Cisco, the cool thing about this, I think, for me, is that it gives Richard Childress Racing a fresh, bold, young driver with a sponsor that's been with him a while. It's, I don't know, I want to say it's a long-term situation, and I mean that in the sense that they seem committed to Brennan and have been for a while, so it seems like there's going to be uh, a pretty substantial chance that they're going to stick around for a while, and I and I think this is a great opportunity for RCR. It's also a great opportunity for DC Solar because whatever else anyone wants to say about Richard Childress Racing, I know from talking to some of the reps for some of their sponsors, they treat sponsors like gold over there. And so it's a great fit and it's a good opportunity for Brendan Poole if it's true because it gets him up into the Cup Series with a team that will take care of him and his personality, I would argue, would fit right in with the other young bucks that are currently making up uh, Richard Childress Racing, not including Ryan Newman, of course, who's not as young as he once was, but, you know, certainly can still drive with the best of them and, you know, again, has that that kind of a of a, an aggressive personality. So I, I think it's a great addition if it's true. No, I absolutely, I absolutely agree, and you know this goes into the month of RCR confirming and bringing in new guys because we just you know got over the shocker that Matt Tift was heading over there. So now if Poole's going over there as well, not to mention the fact that they're extending Hemrick yeah. in the Xfinity series, that's a lot of you know young, really good talent that can that's going to be able to keep RCR going for a while here and. Uh, take a little bit of the a little bit of the pressure off the Dillons a little bit so they can go out there and win races. Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's right. Now the interesting thing about this though, uh from the standpoint of the Xfinity drivers is that you just brought Matt Tift over and you've got Daniel Hemrick. Now you if again, we we have to keep saying this, if this rumor is true because there's been no official word from either Brennan Poole Yet. or Richard Childress Racing yet. Um, 
this would take one car out of play for either Hemrick or Tift in the short term because obviously Poole's young. He's, he, you would think he's going to be around a while. So, Jacob, that leaves them with one car, the 31 car, Caterpillar car, that's in play in the next year or two. Ryan Newman's contract runs out at the end of 2018. So just kind of interesting if you're Daniel Hemrick, who just re-signed, or you're Matt Tift, who just came over from JGR. You know, Austin Dillon's not going anywhere. If Brennan Poole is in that third car, he's probably, you know, going to be long-term. So that that means you got one car to, to, to play for to come up to Cup unless they come up with enough funding to add a four-team to bring whoever the second one out of that pairing would be. Which, as we've seen in the past, Cisco, RCR has fielded four cars. Sure. Now, the argument can be made it might not have been done as successfully as you might hope, but it's been done. And, hey, if you're Richard Childress Racing, you probably want to get back at some point to where you've been in the past and be considered one of the super teams in the sport, which right now I really don't feel like they are. Does part of it come down to talent? Possibly. But I feel like part of it comes down to the combination of drivers and maybe not necessarily having enough data flowing between the teams to make it all work the way it needs to over there. I, I'm, I know I'm doing a lot of speculating, Cisco, but I think eventually this sets up RCR in such a way that it could go back to four cars fairly easily. I, I Absolutely, and you have to think, Poole, Tift, Hemrick, and the Dillons, they've all driven together up through the ranks. You know, uh -huh. there's a lot of chemistry between these guys running up, running through the ranks of, you know, whether it be the local the local short track stuff into the Camping World Truck Series, into the Xfinity Series, and, you know, now looking into the Cup Series. You know, that's not a lot of teams have all of their drivers on the same generation group. Not, I mean, you know, once Newman, I'm not really sure where that's going to end up. I think Tom and I, I think Tom, we... I don't know what your feeling is, but I'm not sure Newman's going to be interested in keep in keep going, or maybe he'll go back to Penske. I don't know, but well, I, I don't certainly don't see him going back to Penske. I think uh, they they're good at three cars, bringing hmm. in Blaney. I I see Newman either. I would see could see him retiring perhaps if he doesn't get re-signed at RCR. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a decision he's going to have to make. You know, looking at all of this, I mean, we've been talking about all of these young kids and uh we're going to talk about a car that i know a lot of people thought i don't think we did but a lot of people thought maybe a matt kenseth ends up in going into 2018 that's going away for 2018 we'll talk about that right around the corners we continue from the newswire we've got todd gilliland coming up Talk about KNN West, KNN East, all kinds of good stuff before we're done. We're just getting started. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. 
Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza, talking racing on a Thursday night and having a great time doing it. We are focused on the newswire right now. We were talking in the first segment about uh, the rumor that Brennan Poole may be headed for Richard Childress Racing to replace Paul Menard, who is going over to the Wood Brothers, in that third RCR Cup car. For next year, there is another car that is currently competing in the Cup Series that will not be on the track next year, at least as of this moment, unless some huge big sponsor comes out of the woodwork and decides that they want it on the track. But uh, Furniture Racing making it official, the 77 car gone. The charter 
being sold. Actually, they said last month they had sold the charter. Yeah, uh, well, but now they're saying the car is gone. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The car. Well, Barney said when the charter was sold, pretty much that the car was gone, that it would take a, a miracle just well, about to, to make it happen. Didn't get the miracle. No. It, basically, what it could. For me, this isn't news because we've known this for like a month and a half. I mean, it's basically Furniture Row issuing a statement of everything that we've already known since the middle of September, Cisco. This is not surprising. They'll field the 78 next year. Five-hour energy will jump over to Martin Truex, and life will be fine. Life will be great. In fact, it might be better than what it was this year, which is scary to think about. Yeah, but Jacob, what? Where am I supposed to see my awesome five-hour energy commercials on TV? If if there's no 77, what are we gonna do? But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think this is a great move by those guys. They've concentrated so much on the 78. You pull all those resources into one car, and I mean, I don't want to say that Martin Truex could go out and win three straight, but the amount of power they've had at TRD, I wouldn't surprise me. Well, that's kind of. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where you you look at this team as a whole. You look at the you look at the the, the amount of time that they spent ramping that group up. Yeah. And it runs for one year and it's gone. And that's kind of a shame because we're in a situation where we're going to struggle, I think, to field enough cars next year full-time to even take advantage of all the charters that are out there and if we do it's going to be barely so you hate to lose a team and I don't really see it benefiting the 78 because I don't think they can have much better a season than they've had this year this has been a an absolute dream season uh you know you lose that second team to compare data with and whatever and I mean I know they're kind of a Joe Gibbs affiliate but at the same time that also came with its own set of trials and tribulations during this season. So I don't know if I feel like this is a good or a bad thing for Furniture Row, but it certainly is a thing. It is what it is, basically. And you know what? To be quite frank, I didn't expect this team to last longer than a year. It's for Eric Jones. The only reason this second car came into being in the first place was because Eric Jones needed to go to Cup and JGR didn't have a seat available so they get a charter they get a sponsor they run and it goes back away and what Barney Visser said is hopefully nobody loses a job he's just going to funnel all of those people into the 78 team and and in his words we're going to have a really really strong one car team wow well that's uh it's <clears throat> a lot of extra people you can only have one pit crew so uh, well, it's a the, the pit crew was a JGR. That was pit crew that's to begin true. With, yeah, that's so. right. So you're really only funneling over the the engineering shop staff side of things. Staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's that's interesting to say the least. But uh, I think this would pretty much put to bed any shot that we see Matt Kenseth back in 2018. You would think. I mean, I don't know where else he would go unless something else becomes available that well, we don't know. I mean. Or he's willing to settle. Let's all be honest here. <laughs> the saga of Stuart Haas racing and the 10 car has drug on a whole lot longer than I think 
any of us expected it to once the dominoes began falling at RPM and Eric Almirola and all of those puzzle pieces. So perhaps, maybe, there is still a bit of a question as to whether Eric actually goes in that car or not. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes at SHR, and to be fair, there's still not a confirmed signed deal that Kurt Busch is back at SHR next year. We know what Stuart Haas well, wants. Well, that's all true. But we, you know, until there's ink on paper and a press release stating there's ink on paper, there's nothing. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, but Stuart Haas is really the last team with anything in play right now. Yeah, I mean, certainly the last of the top teams for sure. Uh, you know, very interesting, the thought of I, I can't see – I can't see them replacing Kurt with Matt unless, you know, it, it somehow it becomes a drastic difference in salary expectation, but I don't see that happening. Um, the 10 car certainly is a possibility if Smithfield Meets can get him and either wants to spend the money that he wants or can put themselves in a better position to win if they feel like he's gives them a better shot to win races than Eric. But, you know, certainly it seemed like when they split from the 43 that um, Eric was going with them. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's really very intriguing. I hadn't thought about the Stuart Haas situation. That would be about the only one. The only other... Uh, car that may be open that we know of wouldn't be one I don't think that Matt would want to race and that would be the front row motorsports entry that uh, Landon Castle just bolted or, or just I shouldn't say I bolted say, from Landon just bolt. no just got let go from um, and you th you would think that probably makes room for Michael McDowell yes to go over there because that's been the rumor all along that he would go over to front row after he was let go from the 95 team to be replaced by Casey Kane over at Levine Family Racing. So I think in that situation, you have to look at this and say the only shot we got for Matt Kenseth, if he wants to stay in cup in a competitive car, would be if something gets worked out with Stuart Haas. That would be very interesting. It would be interesting, Cisco. I do want to make the point here that I'm very disappointed that Landon Castle has been dismissed Me too. from front row. I, because Landon's been extremely loyal to that team. I mean, have they been as competitive as they might like to be? No, not at times, but I don't think that's any fault of the driver. I really don't. It's just all the way around, it's a shame. I hate it. Yeah, I don't like it either. And considering the chemistry that we see Landon on social media has with the crew, with the drivers on his team and all that, it's such a shame to see it. And I don't – does Landon go back to Xfinity? Does – I don't even know what he can do at this point because there's – I mean, there's no, – we're, we're trying to get a cup car for Matt Kenseth, let alone Landon Castle. So, yeah, I – if it stinks because, you know, if we had, you know, 50 cars open, we could, you know, oh, yeah, Matt Kenseth, go jump in the 83 or the – I don't know, the 85 car or something like that. But we don't have that. So – too many cooks in the kitchen, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to well, is there's 
too many drivers available, and at this point with the shrinking field, not enough cars. Not enough cars, and certainly for somebody like a Matt Kenseth who is not going to go Not back enough quality to, Not cars. enough quality cars, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, you know, you're seeing the youth trend continue, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's just how it is at this point in the sport. So um, going to be interesting to see what develops over there at Stuart Haas. We've got a couple of minutes left. We can transition here quickly to uh, – some conversation about K&M West and the fact that uh, the driver we're going to hear from in the next segment, Todd Gilliland, is certainly in a position to win that championship, a championship that on the east side of things, he lost in a most unceremonial way. Very unceremonious, disappointing, heartbreaking. I can go on and on with words from Webster's all night. You'll get the idea. This sucked, in, in Todd's own words. Yeah. This sucked. You never want to have a championship taken away from you by something like a blown tire that's out of your control. That just is not fun. I've never driven, but I can certainly sympathize with the situation, and I know how gut-wrenching the emotion was coming out of Todd when I went back and watched the television broadcast. So... What do you do now? You turn all your focus towards making sure the other championship you were chasing absolutely does not get away. And that would be continuing this weekend in the penultimate, there's your word of the day, Tom. There we go. Race of the season, the Toyota Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by Trico Welding Supply on Saturday in Roseville, California, All-American Speedway, one of my favorite racetracks on the West Coast. It's a third mile. It's tough. It's quick. It's a lot of beating and banging. <laughs> this, and this is also a staple track of the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West. It has been on the schedule a while, going all the way back to 1977. 18 races total. Eric Holmes, who's from the Bill McAnally team that uh, Todd drives for, leads all drivers. Four wins at the track. And... What's interesting here is that no nobody besides Polly Haraka, so this is this is appropriate. The two drivers to win multiple races at Roseville are two Bill McAnally drivers, and you've got three Bill McAnally drivers leading the points. Two of them arguably racing for the championship in Gilliland and Chris Eggleston. But Derek Krause, too, who's third in points, won't win the championship, but could win this weekend. I know you asked me specifically about Todd. I got into the track. I think Todd has a good shot to win this weekend like he does any weekend that a K&N car is running this season. Well, I do too, and we're going to hear from him when we come back around the turn here in our next segment. So stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport on the voice of motorsports, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift. 
and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke located on Route 1 or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Cody Coughlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Coming to you live from inside the Race Chaser PMN Race City USA studios in Mooresville, North Carolina. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza with you talking racing for, oh, about another hour and a half or so. Uh, and we're going to hear from the aforementioned Todd Gilliland, who we talked in the last segment. Jacob, you had the chance this past weekend to catch up with him, I believe, at Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, talk with him a little bit about what he's had going on this year and about both the East, the West, and also his uh, ex- 
exploits to date in the truck series. Indeed. And we focus largely on the K&N Pro Series because that's where he's been running most of the season. But he has made selected starts sure in the truck series this year. Picked up a career best third place finish at Loudoun, New Hampshire. Yeah, he did look good. He actually looked pretty good at the uh, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park event on the road course in Canada as well. Didn't quite get the finish uh, he was hoping for. Came home 11th there, but all in all, it's been a great year to be Todd Gilliland. He's been able to drive a little bit of everything. He's been able to help his dad's late model team, and he's been able to help mentor Chase Purdy a little bit, which has been a lot of fun for him, as uh, Todd has said throughout the year. But I'll let you hear more from the driver himself. Got a chance to talk with him before the Cup Series race on Sunday at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Todd was a spectator, and we got this. I'll file this one under the category of things that we've talked about but haven't been able to do because Todd Gilliland's a busy kid nowadays. Uh, repping for KBM, almost won an East Championship. I know you hate that word almost, but still got a shot to go two in a row in the West. It's been a good year to be you, hadn't it? Uh, you know, top five in the truck. It's been fun lately. Walk, you know, walk me through how busy it's been though, because you've been everywhere and nowhere. I think is the probably the right phrase to use, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been a lot of fun switching back from the trucks to the K&N East to the K&N West, and um, you know, racing with a big group of people. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think I've gained a lot of people's respect this year, and um, you know, definitely learned a lot as a driver, and that's what it's all about. So um, yeah, you mentioned I hate uh, you know not getting that East Championship, but um, you know, coming up second is. Uh, I mean, it's not good, but uh, you know, there's there's worse things out there, and um, you know, it kind of put our season in perspective. Uh, you know how good of a season we had in 2016 on the K&N West. Just nothing went wrong. So um, you know, it's it's racing. That's what happens. But um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, moving up and uh, you know, getting to meet some new people. All the time I've known you, you've been so even keeled. I think that's been kind of been a hallmark. You and your dad both. The, the Dover race was really the first time in a long time I've seen that fire, that emotion just spill out of you. The blown tire, obviously, it's tough when it's something that's not in your control. Just take me back to that moment. And I know what everybody said afterwards, it was really nothing that you felt beforehand. Just one of those moments where in an instant, everything just fell out. Yeah, exactly. And what was so frustrating at Dover was that we had so many issues the whole year. And, you know, if we if we wouldn't have one of those issues throughout the whole year, we probably still would have been the champions if we had that issue at Dover. So that's just the frustrating part is, um, you know, we definitely wanted to be more ahead going into Dover, and we were proud to be ahead going into Dover, but um, you know that's uh, always a risk there, and, um, you know, we just hated that it happened to us. I know the first thing uh, I was talking to Harrison, too, and uh, you two tried to connect after the race. The friendship has been there. You tried to get to him to congratulate him and uh, just never quite got there. But how much fun has it been all year, the two of you racing each other as clean and as hard as you have? Yeah, exactly. You know, on the West Coast, me and Chris Eggleston have been battling, and it's been really tough. You know, these late race cautions, a lot have happened to us where there is some contact. But um, really, on the Canaan East, it's we haven't really had too many conflicts on the racetrack and um, you know we we're in NASCAR next together and we both drive for Kyle Busch Motorsports so we definitely see each other a lot away from just the Canaan East races and 
Um, you know, that's, uh, that's what it's all about is, um, you know, growing with these people. I've raced with them since I was 12 years old in the quarter midgets even. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, just uh, moving up and earning, earning everyone's respect. Speaking of earning respect, you did a lot of that. Finally got a top five in the truck recently uh, in Canada, I think it was. Uh, you know, such a loud. I knew it was one of those. It all runs. You, you know, it all runs together after a while. But uh, finally getting a top five after all the time you spent running in the top five and having, like you said, the bad luck. How important was that to your confidence to be able to to finally get the result? Yes, exactly. You know, there's a big difference between running up front and finishing up front, and. Um, you know, I think it was another one of those deals where at Loudon we had a late race caution where um, you know, we were one of the first ones with four new tires and that's new for me. Um, you know, making it to the end of these races, a lot happens in that last um, you know, 50 to 75 laps and um, you're really just getting to feel it out for the first time is, um, is a lot of fun. Uh, you can win with a, a top five car where in the Canaan Pro Series you almost have to have the, one of the fastest cars to win. And um, you, know, you just got to be patient and uh, it was just a lot of fun racing with my teammates and uh, everyone up front. Obviously, Toyota's been huge. Pedigree's been huge this year. You turn 18 in May. So what's next? Have you guys started to map out 2018 yet uh, as far as what you want to be doing? Uh, have you and your dad got a plan going yet? Uh, we don't really have a plan, but um, you know what I want to do. I just want to win races, you know, um, and anything. I just want to be in competitive equipment and uh, you know running up front, showcasing my abilities, and um, you know if it's a, if that's possible, that's certainly what we're going to try and do. Uh, you mentioned we have great partners behind us like Pedigree and Toyota and Nap Auto Parts. So um, you know we're trying to work with them, and um, you're always uh, always looking for new opportunities as well. Well, Justin Haley almost made the playoffs in the trucks. Missing two races you'd have to miss there'd be four that you couldn't run at the start of the year but you've had the speed to do it so I know like you we're just waiting to see what happens but always good to see you and definitely best of luck I know you want to close out the West Championship for the second year in a row yep for sure yeah so thank you and um, it's been a great year out there as well and I think we're ahead by 11 points now 11 so, points, yep. uh, so just heading into two more races really good tracks for us to close it out and Todd Gilliland talking to us about a lot of things, but mostly about the fact that, you know, this K&N season for him was such a dream season until that, it was. that, that until last the tire. Race, you know, and the tire, and that's just how quick it changes in the sport. But Todd also made the point, Tom, you kind of heard it at the beginning of that interview. It's not just about that one race. If they could have run a couple of spots right. better in any race yep. this season that they struggled in, they'd have been just fine. And he said it. They got off to a slow start. Now, you can argue that any one race could have been the difference, but had they been able to start a little better? Is Todd holding the championship? Probably. We don't know that for sure. But, you know, just one of those deals. His family name was made on the West Coast. I don't think Todd Gilliland needed to win an East Championship no. to, you know, cement his name as one of the fast-rising stars. He wanted to do it, but he didn't need to do it. I'd like to see him, though, get another one out West and become the first multi-champion out of the Gilliland family over there before he moves on to what we anticipate in 2018 is going to be bigger and better things. I think... Some people are going to say it's a long shot, but I think there is a very good chance that you see him 
make a similar run to what Justin Haley did this year. They have somebody fill in the early portion of the season and then Todd take over as soon as he's old enough to run the balance of the schedule and just see what happens. I think it's possible. He's certainly got the speed to be able to win a race and make the playoffs in that way, and there's not been enough full-time drivers. He'd have no issues making it into the top 20 in points. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, I don't I believe that with everything in me, but I, I think, too, that the other piece that I thought was interesting out of that conversation was Todd talking about the fact that, you know, the drivers like Harrison Burton and, and these guys that he's racing with, a lot of them he grew up racing with, and they've kind yep. of grown up together. Yep. And I think that's a bit of an emblematic uh, thing, the way the sport's working now, Cisco. You've got this group of young racers who've all been connected in the lower series in some way, shape, or form, whether it's quarter midgets, late models, legends, cars, whatever, and they're all kind of rising through the regional touring series now up into NASCAR's national series. It's really interesting to see that. And a little tidbit from my world, we had the last race of the NASCAR uh, iRacing Pro Invitational Series. Chase Briscoe and uh, Christopher Bell were in that. There was a big incident during the pace lap, which kind of took them out. They were on different laps and yet spent the entire race just racing each other so it's something that we've seen across the nascar landscape and it's really really cool to see all these guys who have come up and raced against each other you know with the 90s we had the invasion the asa guys you know the guys from other other sides of the motorsport hemisphere then we had the indycar invasion the open wheel guys come in and now we're starting to see you know kind of the core guys that moved up together we're starting to see it again tom yeah, we are starting to see it, and that's, it, like I said, it's really interesting and really cool to watch some real, real talent in the uh, regional series, and uh, nice to see that. We're going to talk about one of the other regional series coming up, the late models, the Winchester 400, and also we'll have some conversation on the Arca series because they've got a show coming up next week as well, so we'll uh, talk a little bit about that. Much more still to come here on the Stock Car Show. Stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leader in motorsports safety. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com. I'm PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion okay okay we're buckling up see all buckled good choice i'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time what what no do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives never give up until they buckle up a message from the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council visit safercar.gov slash kids buckle up for more information Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, 
BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, around the round table, talking with you here on a Thursday and talking New England motorsports now as we bring in Kyle Souza from AreaAutoRacingNews.com, also our race chaser online, New England motorsports correspondent and a member of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR team covering the wheel and modified tour. And of course, Kyle, uh, this is the big one coming up. I mean, you've got uh, the season ender, the Thompson World Series. We've got about 96 classes of cars, of which the uh, modified tour is but one. Uh, it seems like this event goes on for days, but actually it doesn't, just a couple. And um, Kyle, we've really got some interest here because at this point, I don't know that the wheel and modified tour has ever had a situation quite like this where you've got so many different storylines of drivers who are contending for the championship going into this last race yeah tom i agree i think this is uh something that uh this tour needed uh in their first year as a unified nascar wheel and modified tour of course the combination of the wheel and southern modified tour this year with the northern boys and they've put together uh, a good season of racing, and you know, we come down to the season finale with six drivers in a mathematical position uh, to win the championship. I don't want to shy too much away from that six drivers with mathematical contention, but I think we all know that in reality there are three or four that have got a good shot at winning this thing. Eric Goodale is fifth, 25 out, and Rowan Pennick uh, is sixth, and Pennick nearly 35 points out. So I think Goodale and Pennick know going into this race they're going to have a really tough time winning this championship. But I think from Ryan Priest up, 19 points back is Priest. I think, you know, we talked about it last week. I think that may even be a stretch. But guys like Salomito, who are 10 out, and Bonsignor, uh, Salomito's 12 out, and Bonsignor is 10 out. These guys are the closest to Doug Kobe. Uh, and, you know, I don't have to put Doug Kobe's resume out there for you. He's a four-time champion, three in a row. And he's trying to make it four in a row, Tom. And I'm not sure that, I'm really not sure that one of these guys is going to be able to stop him from doing that. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this is you, you say that uh, I, I think they know they're going to have a hard time. The problem is every time we think we know anything 
about the Wheel and Modified Tour championship chase, uh, something happens and it changes the entire game. We've somehow managed to keep this extremely high number of drivers in contention for the title, at least mathematically, all the way down to the end. And this has been a season where, you know, as I said, it, every time we think we know we don't, something else happens and you say, well, you know, Rowan Pennick not likely or Justin Monsignor not likely or whoever, you know, Ryan Priest not likely given that he's missed two races, but they're all still there. And all it takes is a couple guys having some bad luck or getting caught up in a big crash. And we've got an entirely different situation. It's really been an, an interesting season to follow the tour. Well, I agree, Tom. And I think that uh, another thing that's going to play into this, you know, you mentioned those guys that are like priests that are 19 back. And I mean, it's definitely possible. And I think something that's going to help somebody like priests and, you know, I'm sure he, you know, he probably does wish some bad luck on Doug Kobe, but uh, we don't wish any bad luck on Doug. You know, we don't want to see him wreck out of the race. We want to see these guys race for it. But if something was to happen early in that race, it's going to mean a lot more than it used to earlier this year. And I'll tell you why there are 35 cars pre-registered wow. for the Sunoco World Series Run 50 on Sunday. And that is the best car count the Tour has seen this season. Definitely the best they've seen at Thompson in the last couple of years. We knew the Sunoco World Series was going to have an increased car count. But with 35 cars, Jacob, I'll bring you in. 35 cars means that that's 10 or 12 more points than a normal race that are to be lost if something happens. So that's something else we're going to have to keep an eye on on Sunday afternoon. Oh, yes, and that is what I love about this particular race, Kyle, is the fact that it brings out all the players. I mean, you look down this entry list, it's going to be fun. Andy Sice is teaming up with the Brady Bunch to run the double zero this weekend. Burt Myers is teaming up with Eddie Harvey to run the 11 this weekend. You've got Chase Dowling back in the LFR chassis house car. Uh, I mean... There, there's three right there. Bobby Santos is back with the Tineo team. There's a fourth that doesn't run the full tour and is going to be a contender, Jimmy Blewett, in his family car. This field is going to be nuts. In fact, it really already is just with the fact that you have six guys in mathematical contention. Kyle, I'm trying to remember the last time that we had six drivers in mathematical contention going into the final race of the season on the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour. I don't remember it, at least in recent memory, at all. And if there has been a time, it's been good grief. I would have to say back to the 80s, I would think, somewhere in there when you had a lot of guys running races all over the place. I mean, this this kind of a scenario this weekend is a little bit nuts, quite frankly. Well, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier this week uh, inside the news and notes to get ready for this race. These guys are no slouches. I mean, they are six guys that could go in there and win the race. I mean, Pennick already won at Thompson this year. Goodale's the most recent series winner. Priest has got two wins at Thompson already. Bonsignor is the defending winner of the race. Salamito's won at Thompson before. And Kobe, we all know he swept Thompson all four races there a couple years ago. I mean, any of these guys could realistically visit victory lane on Sunday. But I think what this comes down to Jacob is if Doug Kobe has a problem or not, he's got an average finish of seven and a half this year. 
uh, in his 15 starts. He's only won one race, but I think if he's able to conclude this championship, win his fourth in a row, which would make him the only driver in the modern area to win four in a row, if he's able to put this together, Jacob, he's done everything. He's won the most races and won the championship. He's won only one, maybe two, and won the championship. He's only got two poles this year. I mean, he's not been the dominant car. But when it came down to the end of the season and that summer stretch, that team turned it on as we you know we didn't expect they would after a rough start, but they did. They defied the odds, and he's going back in there with a chance to really cement himself as maybe the second or third driver in the history of the Wheel and Modified Tour. I want to make a small key point here in the fact that, Kyle, you mentioned it. If Doug Kobe falters, here's what I'm looking at going into this weekend. The top two guys in the championship, Doug Kobe and Justin Bonsignor, among all the contenders, have the worst average finish at Thompson this season. Doug Kobe, 12.3. Justin Bonsignor, 11.3. Three of the four guys behind them, Timmy Salamito, Eric Goodale, and Rowan Pennick have average finishes at Thompson this year inside the top five. You want to talk about point swings? I'll give you a talk about point swings. This is a race where I don't think, Kyle, there is anything guaranteed, especially knowing how much chaos, how much disaster these cha- these top championship contenders have had at Thompson this year, period. Well, looking back uh, to the icebreaker, Doug Kobe ended up crashed out of that race on lap one under caution. I mean, the field was slowing down under a caution flag for a wreck in the back of the field, and Kobe got collected with another car and ended up in the outside wall, and it ended his day before he could even complete the first lap. So, I mean, anything can happen on Sunday afternoon at the Thompson World Series. I mean, Bonsignor is definitely strong there. Uh, But you know what, Jacob? I'm thinking over the last couple of races, we've seen Doug Kobe be, you know, close enough to the front of the pack where he needs to run, you know, fifth or sixth, and he's going to pretty much lock this up unless Bonsignor has a dream day uh, to pick up the win, which is definitely possible. I think a lot of these things, you know, the other thing I've been thinking about this week, you mentioned those other guys that are coming in on the entry list like Burt Myers, Chase Dowling, Andy Sice, these guys are going to be strong on Sunday. And somebody is going to play spoiler in this championship fight if they go out there and win the race and take those bonus points away from a guy like Monsignor or Salamito who needs those bonus points to help catch up on Kobe. Oh, absolutely right. And here's another driver that I'm interested to see on the entry list because it's been quite some time, I believe, since we've seen him in a modified. But Danny Watts is actually bringing a second car, Tom, to the World Series this weekend, the 88. And Spencer Davis is going to be back behind the wheel. This is interesting to me because I know uh, Danny and Spencer have a connection in the late models in the past, but Spencer kind of struggled in the modified tour at times. He's not made any consistent starts since 2015, though he does have one prior start this season. He ran the race four Watts in the 82 car at Langley, 
But that's a while ago, and they went out at lap 88 with the, a distributor failure. So an aggressive driver, maybe not one that I'd put in the category that Kyle was talking about as a point stealer, but it's cool to see him back in the car. Like like we've been saying, this is a diverse entry list, the likes of which I haven't seen on the tour in a long time. Well, I mean, addressing Spencer, I think, again, Spencer is shown to be very fast. When he drove for Hillbilly Racing, he had a lot of strong runs in that car. Um, He drove for for Danny in the Modify once or twice this year already. I don't think that uh, this is an an out-of-the-box kind of thing at all. I think putting Spencer in a car and taking him to a track where Spencer can do what Spencer does, which is drive a car fast, is a good move. And I think that'll be fun to watch, honestly. You got Burt Myers and Spencer among those who are coming up from the South. And, you know, you've got the Northern guys battling for the title. I mean, this is going to be a heck of a race. And I, I like this pairing of Spencer and Danny Watts toward the end. All right, fair enough. I do like that. Now, Kyle, I want to ask your opinion real quick before we go to break here. Burt Myers in the 11 car. I mean, it's a one, and you just add another one onto it. But this car is fast. Can Burt Myers win this weekend? Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot, too, this week, Jacob. I'm not sure that Burt can win this race because I, he has experience at Thompson, but not as much as some of these other guys. And I think this is one of those bread-and-butter tracks that guys like Kobe, Bonsignor, and Salamito and Priest know extremely well. These guys know uh, the track inside and out, and I think that Burt is going to have a little bit of a catch-up to do uh, when he first arrives at Thompson on Saturday for the practice session. If that car is going good at the end of the practice, I expect him to contend to the front. I'm not sure he can steal points by winning, but I think Burt's going to come home with a solid top 10, and even that can steal some points off some of these other guys. This could realistically come down to one or two points in the end. Yeah, fair enough. I want to lay out the scenarios here, and then let's make our title picks, Tom. Here's the deal. No matter what anybody else does, Doug Kobe clinches the championship if he finishes sixth or better in the race. He eliminates Timmy Salamito, seventh or better. He eliminates Ryan Priest, who I think is the biggest player in this, by finishing 14th. He eliminates Goodale, 20th, which is why Kyle said probably not likely that Goodale or Pennick uh, right. gets this because Pennick's eliminated if Kobe finishes 31st, and that takes uh, a maximum of a 36-car field into account. Ryan Priest holds all tiebreakers, though, so if he wins this race, it's going to be very, very interesting. And oh, by the way, we mentioned the owner's title a minute ago. Ryan Priest will clinch the owner's championship for Eddie Partridge simply by starting the race, even if there was a maximum field of 36 cars, and Ryan finished last. He would have 611 points. Doug Kobe can only get to 611 by winning and leading the most laps, and at that point, Priest still wins the tiebreaker on wins. So the owner's title's done. Who do you like for the driver's title, though? Well, you know, it's hard to bet against Doug Kobe. I mean, at this point, it feels to me like Doug is the guy going into this that really has this most under control. I mean, Timmy Salamito has been strong. I feel like Ryan Priest could win the race, but you still have to depend on Doug Kobe to not finish in second or maybe in third or whatever. I mean, I'm going to go with Kobe here, but I really am saying that I think you could almost flip a coin. All right, Kyle. 
Uh, my race pick uh, is Chase Dowling. I think Dowling's, uh, they've been strong. They've been close. Uh, and Chase is definitely on top of his game this year uh, at Stafford and the SKs. I think Dowling wins the race on Sunday for his first career tour win. The championship, it's Doug Kobe. I don't, I don't see anybody uh, defeating Doug Kobe. I think Bonsignor has a strong run, but I think these guys all finish, uh, you know, between the top five yeah. and six, Salamito, Priest. Kobe and Bonsignor, they're all going to finish right together, I think, and that's not going to be enough for any of them to catch Kobe and pass him. So Kobe's going to add his name to the record books once again, and uh, if he he wins it this year, I'm not so certain that – I don't know what else he can do in his life. I mean, he's going to win four straight championships if he seals this off and uh, in a competitive time, too, on the tour. So uh, my pick is Doug Kobe. Well, at that point, the next rung would be the seven modern era championships that Mike Stefanik has won. But that's a conversation for another day. For me, I don't want to be that guy and make it unanimous, even though there's a part of me that thinks it probably should be. Then again, I I see a scenario that could play out, and I really, really like the stare at Tool 16. I'm going to go with Timmy Salamito to not only win the race, but... There's been too much bad luck this year. There's a trend of bad luck, and I think something happens. Or Doug struggles late, and I say Timmy wins the race to win the championship. I'll probably be wrong when we get back here in a week, but hey, you know what? Live to be different, right? Yeah, you know what, Jacob? And that's uh, definitely a possibility. Bontinger is going to be strong as well. Uh, Just to wrap, I mean, this tour, their unified tour, first season as a unified tour, I think went well. Uh, the combination of the Southern Tour up to the Northern. We didn't see as many Southern guys run full-time as I think we would have liked, but uh, as far as the Tour goes, a strong and successful season for them. They're going to wrap up the weekend at Thompson, but, I mean, we know it's the Sunoco World Series. You mentioned how many divisions going to be there. There's going to be at least 18 of them there. The Granite State Pro Stock Series on Friday night. The ACT Tour, uh, the Isma Super Modifieds, the Valenti Modified Series. going to be a great weekend to be at the track in New England as uh, the New England racing season somehow already wrapping up. And uh, one of these guys on the wheel and tour is going to be celebrating in December at Charlotte uh, as the champion for the 2017. And this as well, we didn't really mention it, but the first ever unified tour champion going to be crowned on Sunday afternoon. All right. That is Kyle Souza. Thank you for taking some time to talk with us as always here on the stock car show. And we look forward to uh, talking with you next week to wrap it all up and hope everybody has a safe and successful Thompson world series weekend. That's Kyle Souza. We're going to step aside more to come on the stock car show presented by HMS motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right after these words, you're listening to performance motorsports network, the voice in motorsports you own a performance car and you know how to drive but you want to learn real performance driving well bunky get that car off the street and onto the track summit point motorsports park the mid-atlantic's premier road racing facility located just over an hour from dc in nearby summit point west virginia is the place to go and you'll find that friday at the track is going to give you what you need For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. 
Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. <laughs> if only we had video. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on PMN Radio. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco, Scaramuza chatting with you here on uh, the Performance Motorsports Network. And hey, this show is brought to you by the fine folks and our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Make sure you check out their website at hmsmotorsport.com. They have all your driver safety needs, plus, of course, fire systems and radio systems as well. Or you can visit them at either of their two locations here in Mooresville, North Carolina, or up in Danvers, Massachusetts. For those of you in our Northeast audience, we talk, uh, continue to talk racing here tonight. We've got Hunter Smith coming up in a while for a fit stop, and he's going to be talking carbon monoxide, and that's particularly timely because of what we saw last week uh, with Kyle Busch and uh, some other drivers as well. It was, um, boy, it was just a hot, steamy, muggy, muggy day. Yeah, for. muggy day yeah. at... Uh, Charlotte, but thankfully got everything in. Want to talk uh, a little bit here, guys? About uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go cars tour here because that t- kind of takes us back to the newswire and an announcement that uh, just came out today. The cars tour, which is if you're if you're not familiar with uh, the cars tour, go look them up. Uh, the cars tour is a southeast series that uh, touring series that is combined. Not together, but on the same race card, super late models and NASCAR late model stocks. Now for next year, it um, I think it's pretty much a given. They're cutting back on their super late model schedule, but they certainly have come out with a bang for their opening NASCAR late model stock show in 2018. I think it's March the 10th yeah. at Tri-County Speedway, which is here in North Carolina. It's in the western part of uh, North Carolina, Rutherfordton, uh, closer to Asheville than Charlotte. But um, they are putting up 10000 to win and 800 to start. Now, if you're familiar with the typical late model stock touring series purse, 
that's atypical. It's more of, as you said earlier to me, Jacob, it's more of a world of outlaws purse. Well, that's They're exactly what it is. The world of outlaws on any given night for their top sprint car series pays 10000 to win and 800 to start. So uh, this is a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. Guys. The, the question becomes, you know that they're going to get a lot of cars because, A, they're doing it at the right track. Tri-County Speedway is a very popular track. It's not a track that runs races on a weekly basis, hasn't in uh, several years, but um, still a popular track to lease to put on shows for various series. Um, but I, I almost wonder, I mean, you do this and you do it once, but can you, I mean, what happens after that? You know, you go back to your four or 5,000 to win show and everybody goes, eh. Well, you know, here's the deal. Still 5,500 to win for a late model stock field is not a bad purse no. at all, but you've got to have a couple of these cornerstone shows throughout the year. Yeah. And I think that's what we formed with this big season opener at Tri-County. It's going to be, as you said, a big show. But the other big thing here is you will pick up, I think, some of the NASCAR teams. Now, let's I, I want to clarify something. While this is a late model stock tour, it is not the same rules package as, the, as all of the tracks in the Southeast run for the NASCAR Wheel That's and All-American Series. It's, so the, the term NASCAR late model stocks is a little bit of a misnomer. Well, but to but, our general yeah. audience, that's how I describe oh, it yeah. so they would know what we yeah. were speaking of. A late of. model stock. Let's call it a NASCAR late model stock type, type car. car. There, hey, there we go. Now, With some different rules. Works for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I think you'll pick up some of the NASCAR cars because of the fact that this race is going to be before the start of the points season for the Wheel and All-American Series. So you may pick up a Lee Pulliam uh, or, you know, a Philip Morris, some of those guys that don't necessarily run on a regular basis with the cars tour. You may see those guys in the field now. I'll be honest, I don't know if Lee Pulliam has any experience at Tri-County. To be totally honest, I'd have to go back and look in the archives of the Wheel and All-American Series points and see if he happened to run there at any point in the past five or six years, at least not to my knowledge, but I could have missed a select race here or there. This is going to be huge, though, Cisco. I'm excited about this. I mean, yes, I'm disappointed that they're cutting back on the super late model side of things, but when you can't get car counts, sometimes less is more. And for the late model stocks, in this case, more is more. Yeah, and let's not forget that, oh, by the way, this season is not yet over for the cars, late model stocks and the super late models, because we still have one race to go, and it's this weekend on the 14th at South Boston in Virginia. And, uh, well, the battle at the top of the step of the uh, late model stocks is, it's close. It's very, very close. Mm-hmm. It is very close indeed, Tom, and I think what's going to be very interesting with all of this is that a couple of teammates are in the mix for the late model stock yeah. championship. In fact, both junior motorsports entries, Josh Berry and Anthony Alfredo, are chasing a multi-generation driver at the top of the standings, Lane Riggs, son of Scott Riggs of former NASCAR fame in the Cup and Xfinity levels, but these three are separated by a whopping nine points. That is, 
I believe the way the Cars Tour does their point system, five positions total on the racetrack between all three drivers, and this has been tight. It's amazing to me that they've made every race this season. Josh Berry has four poles and four wins, but he's had enough bad luck that Lane Riggs's two wins and one pole with a couple fewer top fives has been just enough to give him that edge going into this weekend. Sometimes consistency really is king, and the 99 has done that this year. Well, yeah, and give him a ton of credit because... Lane's only 15. Yeah, I was going to say, he's very young, and you're not talking about racing in a touring series that has no depth. I mean... You know, the car counts may have varied, but the level of competition hasn't. No. You know, when you've got two junior motorsports cars, and okay, I know Anthony Alfredo's a Cars Tour rookie, but uh, I He's worked with Anthony rookie. last year. He was the Southeast Limited Weight Model Series Pro Division champion. And, you know, Anthony is a very, very sharp race car driver. Yeah. And Josh Berry, of course, has just been a mainstay in the NASCAR late models for a while and has yep. proven himself all the way up into the Xfinity series for yep. junior. So, you know, Jacob, this is definitely an amazing accomplishment for Lane Riggs. And I think one that is worthy of, you know, if he ends up winning this championship, that's incredible. Oh yeah. It's if he wins this championship, it is going to be absolutely huge. Now to be fair, it's far from over oh, sure. <laughs> because this weekend the late model stock field is as packed as I have seen it all season. You've got the regulars, you've got Lane, you've got the junior cars, you've got Deke McCaskill. But look down this list a little bit. Philip Morris, who almost won Martinsville. Jake Crum, who won the pole for Martinsville this year. Timothy Peters, who won Martinsville yeah. this year. Ryan Repko, who spent some time in an ARCA car this year. Ty Gibbs, needs no introduction, grandson of Joe Gibbs. Bobby McCarty, who's been very, very strong in the late model stock scene for many years. Uh, Craig Stallard, Justin Johnson, Jared Fryer, Matt Bowling, former NASCAR Wheel and All-American yep. Series champion. 25 cars in total. I mean, this is a field. It is a field. And, you know, you th the, the idea that we go into next year to come back to where we started this and we go to Tri-County, you're going to get these guys and more. I mean, yeah, this is are. really going to be a very big show. And so the Cars Tour definitely putting it out there to start the season. Yes, and not to uh, completely forget about them, but the entry list for the Super Late Model Tour is pretty much the reason why we're – slimming the super late model tour next year 13 cars though it's a very competitive 13 cars jake crum running double duty brandon setzer tate fogelman kale gale christian eckes cole rouse matt craig stephen nassi zane smith roth lassard among the contenders in that field but it's just it's tough it's hard to put on a, th a good 13 car race consistently and expect it to stay around forever i mean this super late model series started with a lot of promise and just kind of basically faded back to where just about every super late model tour in the southeast has been over the last 10 or 15 years which is you know 14 to 20 cars roughly well i think the other thing too is is you know there's there's a lot of competition for yeah. the super late models 
many series. Um, you know, you got the Pass South series here. You've got the Snoka Southern Super Series. You got CRA. You know, you you you've got several series and several big races. A lot of, mm -hmm. you know, whereas the late model stock type cars. Cars is the only series, right. the only tour. They basically for them. own that uh, yep. position they, at this moment, anyway. And they so, have since UARA went away a few years ago. Yeah. So. so you know that's a it's a different situation for the supers, and you know Cars is a very expensive series to run. So you know it takes a, a bigger budget to compete yep. in that series. So we certainly look forward to the season ender and look forward to that big race in 2018 for the Cars Tour. Uh, you can go check them out on the web, get all the information. Of course, go to racechaseronline.com. It's all there as well. Moving from one late model tour to a big late model race that was just run, we had this little thing called, called the, Winchester the Winchester 400. 400. Yeah. Which uh, we really ought to get to on the other side of a break before Joe throws something at us. Oh, okay. Well, we can do that. If Joe's going to throw something at me, I'm going to take a break because <laughs> I don't want to get hit by flying debris. So let's take a break. We'll be back around the turn, and then we'll talk Winchester 400. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport on Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. 
Hi, I'm Harrison Rhodes, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so we'll go from Harrison Rhodes taking us from the break back into the show. Thank you, Harrison, driver of the JD Motorsports 01 in the Xfinity Series. We go to Harrison Burton, who, uh, among other things, runs a late model, and uh-huh. Harrison was one of the drivers who was competing in the Winchester 400, which we brought up before the break, uh-huh. and then our producer Joe King got visibly upset, so we decided to keep him happy, take a break, come back, because I don't like getting hit. So we are, um, we are going to talk Winchester 400 here. Harrison Burton, so close, and yet so far. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, didn't. didn't. That's basically how that goes. Harrison was leading, 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 and then he wasn't because, well, sometimes parts on race cars break. And when parts on race cars break, that usually means drivers don't win races. Yeah. Which stinks because it would have been cool to see Harrison win the Winchester 400 after winning an East Championship, K&M Pro Series East Championship. But it wasn't to be instead... It was his Kyle Busch Motorsports teammate in the truck series that drove past when Harrison slowed with a broken part and won the race. So, basically, (laughs) Kyle Busch still gets the trophy. (laughs) That's what this comes down to. Yeah, that's that's basically about it. Uh, But, you know, this is a race to the Winchester 400 for anybody who's never seen Winchester Speedway, it's probably one of the fastest, hardest tracks to drive. Yeah. For a late, I mean, 400 laps. I mean, unbelievable. And, you know, as you say, it, it basically was a pretty much Toyota benefit series there. But, you know, give credit to Toyota because, boy, they, they brought some cars with some speed in them. Yes, they did. Here's how this worked. Cole Rouse gave Kyle Busch Motorsports the pole. Yep. Harrison Burton dominated the race, and Noah Gregson ended up winning. Ended up winning it. Yeah. By the way, it was a broken wheel stud, just for the record, that took Harrison yeah. out of a chance to win the race. He still ended up eighth, but that's yeah. of no consolation. I mean, and when you look at this again, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna know what a big time. Uh, super late model field looks like. Well, here's one for you. Noah Gregson getting the win. Travis Brayton from up in Virginia getting second. West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, that's right. There's a West in front of that Virginia. Yes. Chandler Smith, a young driver who actually led a lot of the a race. lot of this yep. race, ends up third. Stephen Wallace finishes fourth, and Stephen Nassie. Uh, one of the most outspoken and brash late model racers in the yeah. country rounds out the top five. So there's there's five drivers right there that would be winning drivers in any super late model field. But wait, I'm not done. Yeah, Logan running in six. And there's an and there's an important point there, by the way, Tom. Go ahead. With his sixth place finish as one of the championship four. Because we do it like NASCAR now. Yep. We're in the Arca CRA Super Series. Logan Runyon actually came away from the Winchester 400 with the Arca CRA Super Series Championship as a rookie. Which is big. 
So he had a big win on the day with the championship. Brandon Oakley, seventh. Harrison Burton ends up eighth. Dakota Stroop, ninth. Dalton Armstrong finishes 10th, and Johnny Van Doren, it seems like he's been racing since Moses walked up the mountain. <laughs> finished at 11th. Sorry, Johnny. Yeah. Didn't mean to call you old. Cole Rouse was 12th. John Beach, 13th. Mason Mingus, 14th. And Hunter Jack, 15th. Now, there's your top 50, but if you look throughout the field, Donnie Wilson in the field, Billy Van Meter in the field, and Ben Welch. In the field. Ralphie Lassard. Ralphie Lassard in the field as well. Um, finished in 17th. Didn't mention him. So that was a pretty star-studded field. And for Noah Gregson, this win, I think, is a big win for this reason. He's been so close in the truck series, especially here recently. Had fast trucks. Just hasn't been able to capitalize. For him to go win the Winchester 400 has to be at least a little bit of a confidence boost to say, you know what, I just went and beat some of the best in super late model racing and walked away with a win. So, you know, he goes into the truck series for the rest of the season, at least knowing or believing that he can win a big race, and that may help him in the truck series. I think it may. The biggest thing with Noah is he's got to not beat himself. And the biggest thing, the last couple of times he's had a fast truck in the truck series, Cisco, he's done a really good job of beating yeah. himself because he's had agree. pit road penalties, speeding issues. He spun out once on his own all by himself. Uh, uh, Chicagoland, I want to say it was. Uh, one, one of these mile-and-a-half tracks that they've been at lately, either Chicagoland or Vegas. Um, but as it is, you know, he's just not, like Tom said, been able to put a whole race together. This may help him do that. And, oh, by the way, we're going to a track that basically anyone in the field has a shot to win because it's Talladega. <coughs> Talladega, but yeah. Momentum is funny in the way it works and it can do a lot for a driver and that's a huge plus for Gregson to come off this going to Talladega like what you like what you said Tom. Hey, I just beat some of the best late model drivers in the country coming to Talladega and you know a little bit extra momentum. Momentum does funny things, I tell you. Yes, it does. Now off topic from the Winchester 400, but still in the late model realm. There was one other little news nugget this week. Okay. We have another, we've got had a few of them so far, but we have another officially confirmed entry for the golden anniversary, the 50th running of the Snowball Derby in December. Okay. And it's a former champion of the race. Hi, Kyle Bush. Welcome back. Uh, well, you know, this is not necessarily a big surprise. But no, and Kyle said as much. He said, you know, being the 50th, he wanted to be in the field. Yeah, and, and then it, you see that that's why. Because it's it's the 50th and everybody wants to win the 50th because that's one of those markers. Yep. That even, yep. even more important than winning another snowball derby, you want to win the 50th. Exactly. Snowball derby. And, you know, there again, there's, there is the penultimate. To me, you know, you've got a couple of those. The Snowball Derby, to me, is the penultimate for the, in the south. And then up north, you have the Oxford 250, which was run a little while ago. And those, those races are just stacked races. Yeah. 
But the snowball even more so because it's run in December. There's nothing else going on, exactly. so everybody goes and runs. And even late model drivers who've never driven a late model think they're good <laughs> enough to go run the yeah. uh, snowball derby. Want to take a last, shot at it? Last year there were 65 or 70 cars trying to qualify for 40 or 43 yeah. spots. Uh, it was, you know, it's amazing. Uh, gonna be fun to watch when it gets a little bit closer. And my dictionary. Uh, says, I think the word you were looking for may have been preeminent. Preeminent, pen, yes. Pen, yeah, pen, preem, pen, preeminent. Penultimate would be second to yeah, last. Second to last. <laughs> I used um, that word earlier tonight. Yeah, preeminent <laughs> is actually the correct word. Thank you okay. for correcting me on that. But yeah, it's one of those that you just want on your mantelpiece. You know, there are maybe a handful. Um, you can throw in the Winchester 400, the All-American 400, races like that. Martinsville, of course, for the late model stocks, Myrtle Beach. Um, you know, those are those are trophies that you want on your mantelpiece because it says that you've done something really big in late models or super late models. So certainly going to be a little more interesting now. Kyle Busch just added a front runner himself yeah. to uh, the Snowball Derby and made it a little tougher on the rest of the competition. 2008, I think. Eight or nine. Now, now you're going to make me look yeah, during the break. We, we can, we can uh, look that. It was either one of the two years, I think. But uh, I think I want to say 2009. But we'll, we'll step aside and take a break. We'll come back, give the answer, correct ourselves if we need to. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. On PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network, Fit Stop, next. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. 
With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, I guess I'm supposed to talk now. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on PMN Radio, brought to you by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, and we are joined now by our fitness guru here, who also is a part-time racer, Hunter Smith. And Hunter... We are talking about a very timely topic tonight. I'm glad you picked it because I think that a lot of people really are concerned or were concerned over the weekend when they watched Kyle Busch basically (coughs) fall to the ground. But Kyle is not the only driver that had issues. There were a number of drivers after the Bank of America 500 last week that uh, went to the infield care center. So let's talk a little bit about carbon monoxide poisoning. I don't know that we know for sure that Kyle suffered from that, but boy, it sure looked like it could have been. And at any rate, it certainly is a topic in a situation like that that's well worth discussing. Yeah, definitely. I'm not 100% that uh, Kyle was suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning, so to speak, but I know definitely exhaustion came into play yeah. 100% with what he was doing. So um, so the combination of the two, obviously a lot of his uh, the crush panels of his cars, we had a, a couple issues there. He was, um, you know, he had a couple of incidents on the track and it just let a lot of exhaust fumes into the car, let a lot of, um, he had that Bondo on the back of his car, so a lot of fumes coming off that as that kind of melts as it gets hot. And plus it was just hot in Charlotte last week. It was very hot and humid. So, um, and so, you know, it's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different factors come into the play there and, uh, you know, we just had to deal with that and we saw what he, what happened with him. So he was just, um, you know, he was very exhausted after the race, laying down, medical attention came over to him and after fluids and all that kind of stuff, he, uh, you know, was back on his feet. But like I said, scary, scary thing for sure. Um, and carbon monoxide poisoning is nothing to play with. From a fitness standpoint, when you looked at that, I mean, what were you thinking about? They had talked about the fact that he had actually asked before the race was over or said that he was probably going to need medical treatment after it was over. As as someone in the fitness field, what goes through your mind and, and what causes that? We know it's not a lack of Kyle being in good physical conditioning is is it basically just the heat and humidity yeah i mean kyle 
when it comes to the heat exhaustion and all that kind of stuff, it really doesn't come into play much with the fitness. It could be somebody who's in fantastic shape versus somebody who's in terrible shape. They can anybody can suffer from that. Right. So even even with the carbon monoxide poisoning too, you know, the gas gets you. The gas gets you. It it, it gets you. So no matter what your fitness level is. So what I think of is just the conditioning and he's he's gonna have to toughen that out and being tough like that that's that's what he's gonna have to deal with so mentally kyle was extremely extremely tough last week um and i commend him like crazy for that but some of the things that he was probably dealing with and we talked about that he was probably dealing with is his headaches nausea some fatigue uh, and just a very uncomfortable feeling. And he dealt with it for a long time in the race last week. So, um, like I said, no, nothing short of an amazing feat of him finishing that race, you know, in, in the, the condition the car was in and the condition he was in as well. Well, yeah, and I mean, obviously, some of those who are not big Kyle Busch fans, you know, I mean, it was kind of ugly to, to watch some of the comments uh, that were made. I mean, whether you like the guy or not, you know, he didn't cause all those cautions and have the issues he had because he wanted to. He was trying desperately to get through the races as the playoffs, and you want to get the best finish you can. He was not in good condition uh, physically, which means that mentally, obviously, you are focused partially on your physical condition, and try, and that takes away from the focus on, you know, what you need to do, which is driving the race car by the, the, the programming that you've built over a number of years, you're, you're, you're just not as focused on, on going forward. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about that before. We've talked about that, that mental edge that we've, uh, yep. you know, gone over in a couple of different shows and just being able to stay focused on one thing. And what Kyle had to do was focus on the task at hand and his task at hand. He wasn't obviously in any contention to win a race, gets you know, any kind of stage points, anything like that. But he was in massive condition just to go out and finish the race and get as many points as possible. So, um, you know, and he did just that. So, and that's a that's an amazing thing to come through. And some of the things that caused that so we talked about the crush panels breaking in the cars, and that lets in so much heat. But that does those are things actually kind of relative insulation. They keep heat out of that driver cockpit. And sure enough, when they get damaged, they let heat in. They let some exhaust fumes in. And like I said, all that stuff. And thankfully, nowadays we have those uh, the fresh air systems that run uh, yeah. air to the driver's helmets. Back in the day, when we didn't have that. Uh, I remember some drivers like Rick Mass dealing with uh, you know uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. And it was terrible. It was just so uh, such a huge thing to deal with. So um, now we got some extra safety, which is cool. So um, these guys, you know, they're battling it a little bit differently now, but still, nonetheless, something we all really got to think about every time these drivers go out on this track. Well, I agree. And, you know, it's it's definitely a situation where you just you just you have a, a perfect storm, if you will, of and that's kind of an interesting choice of words, because that's what we were trying not to get at Charlotte on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, there was rain, you know, all around the track, but never got any. But it was so humid. It was so warm. I mean, it was one of those days we we've had. Uh, a little better today, but this tropical kind of air mass that's been over us, you know, for almost a, a full week and, you know, all the way through the race weekend, really, we had rain all day Saturday, didn't get the Xfinity race started until evening time. And that turned out to actually be a great race, I think, partially because of that. But Sunday mm -hmm. just you it was almost like it so desperately wanted to rain and it just didn't. And it was really that perfect uh, combination to have these kind of problems. 
Yeah, Mother Nature was uh, definitely a Martin Truex Jr. fan on Sunday, that's for sure. She held off just long enough to kind of, you know, let him get his, his sixth win there, but she definitely wasn't a Kyle Busch fan with the humidity and all that kind of stuff that was yeah. in there. And you heard a lot of other drivers complaining about the heat, how hot it was and un just uncomfortable in the car. Um, and that uh, uncomfortable, we talked about driver comfortability in these cars, you know, being with our guys at HMS, talking about the seats and belts and helmets and whatnot. These drivers want to be comfortable, and just that heat makes it so uncomfortable, wherein essentially you're wearing three layers of clothes, so picture putting on three layers of clothes and sitting in, you know, a swamp in just Louisiana in the middle of July. And that's exactly what it's like inside these cars when it's on a hot, humid day like that. You know, I've lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. I know how humid it can get in the middle of, uh, which you wouldn't necessarily think in the middle of October, but it can happen. So you have those humid days and just the cloudy, and you wouldn't think that it'd be too bad because it wasn't too sunny on Sunday. It was more so just the humidity and the thickness of the air that, you know, really took a toll on these drivers. Yeah, and I think uh, another point to be made, too, is I think a lot of fans are under the impression that these fresh air systems you know, pump ice, ice cold air, or ice cold water into there. That doesn't happen. I mean, the mm. air is the air is significantly cooler than it is in the car. But when it's you know 150 or 160 in the car, even if you're getting you know 100 degree air, it's still. I mean, so it it works and it helps, but it it is not a you know it is not like for example there there are a couple of. Um, systems out there that actually you know pump ice water through um mm -hmm. in a in a cool suit kind of thing um cool shirt makes shirts like that yep. but you know these fresh air systems are not that they're they're an entirely different type of situation so you know it's really a tough deal to get through 500 miles in that kind of weather now we look at this weekend upcoming and we go to talladega and not sure what the forecast is there, but this is a race that not only is it no doubt going to be still very, very warm in the cars, but you're running a restrictor plate and these races are pack races. So it's basically three hours of two and three wide extreme mental focus. You really just never have a moment's rest in a pack race like this. Yeah, Talladega is one of those tracks. It's kind of like, honestly, from a restrictor play standpoint, like Daytona, and yeah. the fact that you come out of that track a lot more mentally exhausted than physically exhausted. It's not a really physically demanding track, I will say. Um, you are hitting a lot of G-forces in the corners, but at the same time, too, the banking is helping you out a lot uh, to kind of counter those Gs a little bit. But at the, so like I said, at the same time, it's a it's a high-speed chess match for three, four hours. You know, I'm I'm from New Jersey, so I go down the Jersey Turnpike, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and, you know, that's Talladega for about three hours. And I know for a fact that five minutes on there, and I don't want to be there anymore, and I don't know where I'm going, and it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be mentally draining for these drivers on Sunday and Saturday with the trucks going going there on Saturday. So um, you got a lot of rookies in the truck series field too. So I'll be anxious to kind of see how they work out there too. We got a couple of rookies in the cup series field too. That'll be cool. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. So um, I'm anxious to see what happens in Talladega. Like I said, mentally exhausting race. Got Drivers got to be on edge for sure. Well, you know, it, it, they do because you, you just don't, it's very rare that you just see a single file parade um as a as opposed to that you know that double triple file thing that we're used to once in a while talladega fans out and uh gets into that mode but it's not very often so you really go into that thinking 
that you're going to have cars all around you. And like I said, the concentration part of that is just extreme compared to some of these other tracks where you can run single file for a while. And, and it's not that you can, you know, think about next weekend at the beach or whatever, but at least, you know, you get to breathe a little bit and you don't have cars on both sides all the time and moving around in the air. Yeah, absolutely. You look at a track like a mile and a half, like we were just in Charlotte or Chicago or Kansas, wherever around, you know, 20, 25 laps into a run, things are going to fan out. You'll be able to kind of slow down, slow your thinking and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, we're getting into a long run situation. You could have a long run situation at Talladega and you're still on edge, not knowing who's going to move where one car moves wrong this way. One car moves three inches this way. And there's a huge wreck on the field. So oh, there's just so much at stake. And especially with the playoffs right now too, you got 12 drivers out there who don't want to have a bad race and they know that if they're going to have a bad race, odds are there's a pretty good shot they could have one this weekend. So lots to think about going into this weekend. No doubt. And uh, with that, we uh, thank Hunter for coming on the program again tonight and uh, stopping by for a fit stop and look forward to hearing what Hunter will have to say next week. Uh, definitely carbon monoxide is certainly nothing to fool with, and we saw great evidence of drivers at minimal or at minimum being exhausted last week, if not some of those fumes uh, affecting them. Thanks, Hunter, for being on. And uh, with that, we'll step aside when we come back. The lightning round, and we close things up on the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay with us. One more segment to go. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels 
new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dylan Bassett, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Performance Motorsports Network. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, and we are coming to you from Mooresville, North Carolina, inside the PMN Race Chaser Race City USA Studios. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuzin, we're keeping Hunter actually around for this last segment as we go into our lightning round. This is kind of a free-form discussion about uh, what's going on free-form in the racing world. Is this art class now? This is art class. It's basically, <laughs> this is almost like some radio shows have basically open line Friday or whatever. This is kind of what it is. Whose we, line is it anyway? Anything. Well, no, that's a comedy, and no, uh, we leave that to the professionals. But uh, we've got several choices for topics. I'm going to start here, and I'm going to ask, okay, we're going into Talladega here. Now, this is not a elimination race, but it is an important race for several drivers who misfired at Charlotte last week. Who, Jacob Seelman, is it most important for among the drivers left in the Cup Series playoffs? That's a loaded question, considering uh, we could see any one of the guys besides Martin Truex who thought they were good after Charlotte uh, not be so good at the end of the day on Sunday. Well, of those who are, but what I'm saying is of those who struggled at Charlotte, who is, who is this a most important race for? Ricky Stenhouse. Mm-hmm. Ricky Stenhouse is definitely my pick if you're wording it like that, because... That 17 team, I'm not so sure they are going to be where they need to be at Kansas in order to point their way in. I think Ricky's got to treat this as a must win, and why shouldn't he? He's won the last two plate races, plain and simple. Cisco. Jacob stole mine, so ha! I had to run well, quickly can, and go look up You can results. agree. I can Okay, then I'm just going to agree. I'm going to say Ricky Stenhouse because plate tracks, that's where he was able to break his way into the playoffs here. He has to be good here. Hunter. I'm going to go ahead and agree and say definitely think that Stenhouse is, is in a must-win situation, but I think, honestly, anybody below eighth right now needs 
to go into this race thinking it's a must win because I really don't see any of them going out to, with a possibility to go run in Kansas really well. So you have Matt Kenseth, you have Kislowski, you have Ryan Blaney, you got Stenhouse. I think all four of those guys who all have a, a good history at plate racetracks, I think they all need to go in here in a must win situation well, and go for broke, do what they can do. I'm going to disagree with you, Hunter, from a standpoint of Matt Kenseth because Matt Kenseth is really, really good at Kansas. Yeah. And Matt Kenseth feels owed one at Kansas. Hmm. Joey Logano, anybody? remember? Do, do we remember that little thing? I'm not worried about Matt Kenseth at Kansas, also because he's in a Toyota. But I, I think I know where Tom's going to go with this, just to be different. But I would say that they're kind of tied in this case. Ryan Blaney is the other one I circle here going to Talladega, Tom. And I know that perhaps that was in your mind, maybe? Well, no. Ricky, no? Ricky Stenhouse is the obvious choice. Okay. Uh, I'm going to agree. And here's why. It's because when, when you look at those who stumbled. Now, you could argue, I suppose, that Kyle Busch would be a good answer to this question only because he finished the furthest back. But he's still got a bit of a points buffer. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing. And, and again, Kansas is not a bad track for Kyle Busch. It and used he's to in a be. Toyota. <laughs> but yeah, but it hasn't been lately. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I definitely think that it's Ricky Stenhouse. And this is this is where we're going to find out what Ricky and that team are really made of. Yes, I agree. They're hot. Now, it's hard to win three plate races. And it's hard to win two in a row at Talladega and sweep the yeah. season. Okay, but this is where we're going to find out what they're made of. Because if they can even finish in the top five here, just keep it up front and finish in the top five, I think that puts them in a position at Kansas to be able to, to, to get through if, if they need to. But mm -hmm. this is really going to be an interesting race. And I don't care. I know that Kansas hasn't had a great season, but again, Kansas is a good track, and I wouldn't discount Matt from winning this race at Talladega, to be honest. I think Ricky Stenhouse is the key. Matt Kenseth has won at Talladega before. Yes. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, I think, and, and I'll give you just, it has nothing to do with the playoffs, but I'm going to keep an eye on the 88 this weekend. Duh. Because, <laughs> I, you know, this, this is really, if, this isn't Junior's last best shot at winning a race. Boy, it's awfully close in one of the last, last shots he's going to have Amen before the end of the season. Amen to mm -hmm. that. And I think a little motivation, too. You yeah. know, this the last plate race, you kind of want to go out swinging, and that's what he's been known for mm -hmm. is his ability to run plate races. So, yeah. uh, okay, let's switch. By, by the ahead. way, real quickly, I, I do want to – make the point here that winning three plate races in a row is not, 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 not easy to do. In fact, not even Junior back in his heyday was able to pull that off. He won four Talladega races in a but, row. Yeah. But Daytona was kind of his Achilles heel up until he won the Daytona 500 in 2004. So... If Ricky Stenhouse manages to pull this off this weekend, it's going to be an accomplishment of pretty Herculean proportions when you yeah, think about it. No doubt. But I believe they're capable, and I think sure. you're going to see them at the front of the field yes, this weekend. Definitely. It's going to be interesting. Okay, quickly to the trucks. Must-win situation for who? John Hunter Nemechek, easily. 
period. I mean, I mean, at this point, either of the two guys below the cut line right now, I'd say it's a must-win for them. Kaz Grala and John Arnonimacek, I don't think either one of them are in a good position to, uh, to point their way in, frankly. Probably not. Hunter, Grala yeah, or I'll, Nemechek? I'll go, and, I'll go ahead and agree with that. I'll say John Hunter Nemechek for sure. I think Kaz Grala has a good shot at it just because he went out one Daytona this year, so we know he's got – uh, you know, a little bit of prowess on the plate tracks. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's more on John Hunter. I'll agree with Jake on that one for sure. Okay, Cisco Scaramuza. Matt Crafton. Really? Why? <laughs> because at the end of the day, I need to see that the 88 can go out and win on a paved track because he hasn't done it this year. He won at Eldora. On a That's plate great. track, you mean? <laughs> No, but oh, well paved. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, because he's only paved. one on the dirt. Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay, that was clever. But I'm not saying that, and I'm looking ahead here. I'm looking at the full Homestead uh, finagle here towards the end because I don't, I'm, he's in the fight there, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen race winning speed out of the 88 except at Eldora. So I'm just looking ahead here. I have to agree, though, with Kaz and Kaz and John Hunter, but I just wanted to throw that in the mix that I also need to see a really good run out of that 88 truck this weekend. Well, I see, I look at Kaz and John Hunter in between the two. I don't, John Hunter's won on other tracks other than this. Um, I think this is Kaz's only shot, basically, to, uh, to, to probably put himself in a position to advance. He's got to win this plate race and prove he can do it. And the thing is, you can say, well, yeah, he won at Daytona, but the, the reality is that, you know, he kind of inherited that, and I don't want to take away from the fact that it was a big win for Kaz, but he sort of inherited that win. And so for me, I'm kind of looking at it as, you know, Kaz has got to go out and find that luck again and go get himself a victory because if he fails to do that, then he's probably not going to advance. But I think, you know, John Hunter also, if he doesn't come out with a win, he's got to come out with a podium finish. Uh, it's This is just going to be a tough deal for both of them, and it's a shame, especially I'm not sure anyone could have realistically expected Kaz to go farther, but I, I certainly think that John Hunter was a guy that you looked at and said this could be a championship contender, and he just has not had that luck. Nope, not for two years. I mean, and let's remember here, he had bad finishes in the first two races last year, and then the motor blew at Talladega 10 laps in. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's really been an interesting year for John Hunter with a lot of ups and downs, more so than we thought. He kind of got hot yeah. for a while, and we said, okay, he's on that run, and now, and then all of a sudden, it just went bad for him again. But I'll tell you, the truck series, despite the low counts, the 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 lower um, car, truck counts to start the race, the truck series still putting on some of the best racing in all of NASCAR, and I, this championship is going to go right down to the wire. And let's remind ourselves, the only reason we had a low truck count at Las Vegas is because it was a standalone race way away from the Cup Series, all the way across the country. We're going to be fine on trucks this weekend at Talladega. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. And, Don't you know, fret. No, but again, and that's what's interesting to me, that, that standalone race being where it is and being when it is, that's 
you know, it's really it's hard for it's the other funded help. teams. Yeah, but I think it's going to help next year when you've got the triple header yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that that will definitely be the case. Going into Talladega this weekend, do we see Chase Elliott break through? Chances that Chase Elliott gets his first win at Talladega on Sunday. Jacob? Oof. Five, because there's at least a 1% chance for anybody in the field, but I don't buy it. 5%? Yeah, 5%. Wow. Hunter. That's about five more percent than I would have given him. So that's Really? I'd, no I'd, love for Chase I'd, Elliott. I don't think Chase right now, and maybe it's, maybe it's just a rookie thing or a sophomore slump, call it what you will, but I, I just don't think he's in the right mindset. I think he's really, really hard on himself. And to an extent, I get that because, you know, I was always the same way. I still am, you know, but I get that. But at the same time, too, you got to be able to kind of say, all right, you know, we all screwed up. Not just I screwed up. I screwed up. I screwed up. I screwed up. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. He's got to go out there and kind of mentally tell himself, you know, I'm I was I was raised to do this. I've done this my whole life. I've won races. I've won a championship. I know how to do this. So Cisco. He'll consistently run up towards the top 10, but I don't think he's going to win. I'll throw I'll throw him a bone 15 percent. Wow. Okay. I just, I have more faith than that. I'm going to say 30%. I, I, I don't think I'm ready to go 50, 50, but I think 30%. And I think, you know, any of the Hendrick cars here could, could pull this off. It, it really is so much about timing. So with that, we'll, uh, Get ready to enjoy the big weekend at yes. Talladega. And, Jacob, take us out. Yeah, by the way, my final nugget is the last driver to win three consecutive plate races is none other than the Earnhardt family, specifically Dale, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Sr., of course. No, actually oh. Dale Jr. Oh. won in July of 2001. Actually, I take that back. No, it was Dale Sr., 93. Okay, Cause that makes Jr., more sense. Jr. missed out on the 02500 yep. or he would have done it. Yep. So anyway, thanks to Mike Garrity and our social media partners at 3 Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Sue Mason, Joe King behind the glass, and all the folks here at PMN that make this show possible. So for Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Hunter Smith, and the rest of our staff, I'm Jacob Seelman. Check out RaceChaserOnline.com for your motorsports, your way, every day. And we'll see you right back here on the web in a week to talk short track racing. Have a safe racing weekend. Good, Good night. night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit RacechaserOnline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.